DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Josh Newman, Utah Utes beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Josh, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? Doing well. Not to embarrass you right out of the gate, Josh, but we were talking about you last week. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't. Why don't you fill me in? <laughs> uh, we both agreed you were doing a really good job on the Utes beat, so it's not always <laughs> the easiest thing in the world to step into a new market and get a feel for what's going on. But uh, the thing that I noticed right away is your questions are really good when we're on those Zoom calls. They're right on point. They're frequently stuff I'm thinking I want to ask, and then you ask it. And, of course, there's no better way to be labeled, you know, as smart. It's just we, we find people who agree with us and think the way we do. And that person really gets it because <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Look, so either you're really good or we're both completely lost, but we seem to be on the same page a lot. No, you guys are not completely lost. And, listen, genuinely, I do appreciate those kind words. Uh, look, I'm an outsider coming from the East Coast. I've tried to, you know, ingratiate myself in the community, in the media scene, uh, I've tried to, you know, come in headfirst on this beat. And look, the pandemic hasn't made our job what we do for a living. The pandemic has made it, you know, quite difficult, right? You know, without the face-to-face stuff, everything's on Zoom. It's limited access. So, you know, we're all just trying to do our best every day. Yeah. The only thing I didn't really like about Josh is that he didn't grade the pie at the Star Tavern in Orange, New Jersey, high enough. Now, pie, people will think oh. apple, blueberry. No, we're not talking apple, but we're talking pizza. Star Tavern. You must have done your homework. No, I did not I did not grade Star Tavern super high. Look, it might have been the night. It might have been who was in the kitchen. I understand that Star Tavern <laughs> is, you know, an institution. Uh, and if I ever live to get back to the East Coast, I, I, I will give it a, a second shot. <laughs> It's an institution in my it. family, that's for sure. Still is. Many, many, fam- many, many family members go to that place. So I remember talking to you about it. But, uh, you know, we're talking about the Utes, and obviously their season is concluded. And I think that they got just about everything they needed to get accomplished this season in terms of valuation, except the Cam Rising thing. I think that was a bummer. But other than that, I'm generally pleased. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think they did get everything – accomplished mostly um look i i went back and forth between you know what is this season obviously look you're playing the games and they count and the film is out there so you want to perform well and the goal you know the end game every week is to prepare and win a football game no matter if it's in this weird pandemic or not that's one thing but the other thing as you alluded to you're evaluating you're thinking down the road you're trying to decide how good you can be later, uh, how good some of these young kids can be later, uh, what you need to do uh, in terms of recruiting or the transfer portal or whatever have you. And, yeah, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, they got five games in, and I think they have a pretty, you know, a pretty fair idea of what they're looking at down the road. And, uh, you know, the big picture kind of knee-jerk reaction on, on Saturday, at least for me, in the wake of the season ending, I think there's a lot of reason to be very optimistic on both sides of the ball about what they have and what they can be moving forward. Now, look, things happen. Kids transfer, kids leave. There's a couple of NFL draft decisions probably still to be made. Uh, There's a bunch of seniors that need to decide what they're going to do because they have the option to come back for one more year. But, you know, long story short, all told, I think there's plenty of reason to be very optimistic about the future. 
Obviously, the Utes have just gotten a couple of uh, quarterback transfers here. What do you know about them? Because that seems to be the massive missing piece. The defense came along, looked good. The second half of that Washington State game, they were dominant. Obviously, the running game is there. Ty Jordan is putting up huge numbers, and not just numbers, but looking good doing it. It passes the eye test. So as it so often does with the Utes, it comes back to quarterback. What do you know about these guys? Yeah, so Jaquinton Jackson, who was, a, who was a true freshman this year at Texas, he, he committed late Saturday night. And on the surface, I thought that was, I thought that, you know, that was really good. Uh, he, he comes with a very big high school pedigree from the state of Texas, you know, highly, re, highly recruited kid, uh, was coming off knee surgery. So, he, you know, he hasn't taken a snap since, you know, his senior year of high school. Um, that was fine. But after I thought about it a little more, uh, that kid, while talented, that kid doesn't add anything for you in terms of experience to the room. And I think that's one thing that Utah needed was an experienced, capable guy in the quarterback room, you know, to help out a Cam Rising who doesn't have a lot of experience, to help out Peter Costelli who's going to come in here as a true freshman. So that was one thing. And then late yesterday afternoon, they get a commitment from Charlie Brewer who was a four-year starter at Baylor, another kid with a huge high school pedigree from Texas, went into Baylor, threw for 9,700 yards in four years. That's a big one. You know, that qualifies, in my mind, that's like big game hunting, right? Utah went out looking for a a real experienced quarterback, and they got one in spades. Um, I'm not going to sit here on, you know, December 21st and tell you that Charlie Brewer is going to be the starter when when the 21 season opened on September 2nd, but that's a very experienced, very capable guy in your quarterback room who at a minimum should, should take control of the room and help out some of these young guys, right? Help out Cam Rising, help out Peter Costelli, help out Cooper Justice, who's, who's going to be a true freshman again next year. So, um, as you said, Utah needed to address their quarterback situation, and they got it done within 24 hours of the season ending. So I think that's a great job by Kyle Whittingham and staff. So the freshman kid coming over, it's it's basically the same thing as a rising. You go to Texas, you don't play, you don't win the job, you're not sure you're going to get out on the field, so you leave. And, and then basically that was Bentley's situation too. Wasn't sure he was going to play, so he leaves. And I don't want to crack on the kid, but you can see why to an extent why uh, South Carolina went in a different direction. So I'm wondering, the point being, do I really want to base my quarterbacking position on guys who essentially weren't good enough to get out on the field someplace else? That's why they're leaving. Now, the other kid from Baylor, that's an entirely different situation. Now, that program from when he first got there to where it is now, we know has undergone all sorts of upheaval. Is that the primary reason why he's leaving, or is there something else there? It's really early there. I, I, I don't know the full story there, right? It, it is a little weird. Everything's a little weird with the pandemic. Um, you know, the kid played four years, so he, he, could, he could probably go t- to the NFL draft and at least get to the combine and, and give himself a chance to be a pro. I'll, I'll give it to you. It's a very weird situation. He's going to be a graduate tr- transfer. Uh, everybody gets an extra year of eligibility now because of the pandemic. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see and report and, and kind of hear about, you know, what that backstory is. Cause he's not a, he's not 18 years old, right? He's, he's, he's 22. He's played 45 games for a big 12 school. So I'll be curious to hear that backstory. 
I think just looking at the numbers, the thing that jumps out at me is his completion percentage isn't quite good enough. The touchdown-interception ratio not only is a little concerning at 2-1, to one, uh, but it doesn't seem to be getting better. And so if I were Cam Rising, yes, I'd want to learn from him because he's played a lot of games, he's thrown a lot of passes, uh, he's thrown a lot of touchdowns, he's thrown a lot of interceptions too, but I also would think – there's a way to win the job here. This isn't automatically Charlie Brewer's gig. Uh, you know, that 2-1 to one touchdown ratio, it did get to 3-1 to one, one year, his junior year, but it went right back to 2-1. to one, And that we all know Kyle, that's going to bug Kyle. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. But I don't, I, don't, I don't put all my stock into the touchdown to, to uh, INT ratio just because at Baylor it's, it's high octane, it's spread. You're throwing the ball all over the place. So – yeah, the quarterback is going to throw some picks. I'm not. I'm not super worried about that. Um, to your point, no, I agree with you. I no, Charlie Brewer is not coming in here. The job is not automatically his. And we saw this year what can happen when there's some assumptions. I think I'm not going to say everybody. I think a lot of people, yeah, kind of assume that you know Bentley came in here with you know 33 starts under his belt. Everybody thought that he would seize the job and you know he would be the guy from day one, which which was not the case. Um, you know, it's a it's a bit of a difficult situation now for Utah. They have the help with you know, again Jackson and Brewer. Rising did win the job this fall, but Kyle has already said that Rising is very likely not going to be available for spring ball. So that's going to take away you know reps and experience. And then you get to the point where okay, it's going to be um, you know fall camp come August if we get a, a normal season. Is Rising going to be ready for the summer? Even if he is ready for the summer, Brewer will have come in here in January and you know worked with Andy Ludwig from January all the way through August. So it's going to be a little bit of a fascination, not so much in the spring because we kind of see what that is shaking out as with rising out. The real fascination is going to be once we get to August, how the quarterback situation shakes out. So no matter who the quarterback is, I'm going to make an outlandish statement, see if you agree with me, that next season they're going to rely on good defense, decent special teams, and a strong running game. Yes. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. Uh, the defense showed I, – you know, look, I wrote this a few times. I think the defense uh, outperformed any even reasonable expectation that even Kyle had. Even, you know, Kyle during – you know, October when camp started really was, I'm not going to say he wasn't high on this defense, but he was being very realistic that, look, nine, nine defensive starters needed to be replaced, including the entire secondary. So I don't think he had super high hopes for this defense, but the defense played, you know, reasonably well, right? They finished, I think it's number two in the Pac-12 in total defense. Uh, they had the number one rushing defense in the league by, you know, quite a wide margin. So, yeah, um, very good defense. And, you know, I don't know that the quarterback needs to be anything other than a game manager. Um, what I will say is, and I'll play devil's advocate here, I'm probably in the minority, Ty Jordan has been tremendous, uh, especially over the last three games. Do you want to give him the entire rushing attack? He is just five foot seven. We don't know how he's going to hold up under a full, you know, 12-game workload. Are we ready to hand the keys to the rushing offense to specifically Ty Jordan. I don't know that that's a wise plan, but that's why they're making the money they make, and that's why I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> well, having said that, uh, yes, he's the guy. 
I mean, he is the guy. He's the number one back, but I am always more comfortable when it's a 70-30-80-20 split. I think there's so many examples across football where when you have a change of pace and the defense is used to seeing one kind of thing and you give them somebody who's you know more of a power back or a better receiver or complementary and you give them every third or fourth possession or, or maybe they're the third down back, I think that usually works out well. Is he the featured back? Absolutely. Do I think he should be carrying 100% of the load? I wasn't comfortable when Zach Moss did, did it. And it worked out, and Zach was great, but even that just – uh, guys wear down. Guys take hits. Guys get injured. So you need a second guy. And that, look, and that's just the point I'm making. I didn't mean to make it sound like Ty Jordan is not the number one guy. Ty Jordan is absolutely the number one guy. But as you alluded to, you need to find a, a balance, you know, 70-30-80-20. Can Makai Bernard really turn into, you know, a, um, a viable number two guy that can take some of the uh, take some of the work, you know, off Jordan's shoulders? Um to that, I will say, like, I will not be surprised if Kyle, you know, goes to the portal for some more running back help. You know, you don't find super quality running backs in the portal every year like you do quarterbacks, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle is still in the market for at least one more running back. So even though I was born and raised in New Jersey, I also grew up second part of my life in Arizona, went to ASU, worked in Los Angeles, so I am a Pac-10 slash 12 guy through and through. And this season has left me thoroughly disgusted with the management of the conference. I mean, I just can't believe how irrelevant they are. And this is my conference, so it pains me to say it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts as far as that goes? Because it seems like they just gross, grossly mismanaged this whole situation all season, put themselves completely on the outside. Um, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, the, the thing specifically with the Pac-12 title game, how that, how that shook out, there, there was no right answer, and there was no easy answer. And in the, in the days leading up to, you know, the Pac-12 title game or even the decision to, to you know, to see who would, who would play in the title game, I just remember thinking that Larry Scott is going to get eviscerated no matter what he does. Um, I've gone back and forth on this, back and forth. I, I would have gone USC versus Colorado. Those were the those were the two best. If you take away the divisions, Washington couldn't play. Uh, Colorado and USC, you know, that game got canceled. Uh, Oregon was a two-loss second-place team in its own division. In hindsight, that was that was really silly to have Oregon play in the title game. Uh, it should have been USC Colorado. Uh, that would have been the path of least resistance in terms of optics. Not that Larry Scott cares about optics. He's made that clear already. Um, it, you know, it's interesting. Look, as as an East Coast guy, as somebody who who loves college athletics and, you know, follows everything nationwide, like you, I I read from afar and, and, and listen from afar for years about the Pac-10, the Pac-12, and, you know, the bad management, you know, and Larry Scott and this. It was really a different deal, though, when I got out here and saw it firsthand and started covering the league, um, the mismanagement is mind-blowing. The things that go, you know, the things that go on in the league office and the decisions made, not only that, the way that they present these things. Every time Larry Scott opens his mouth, he gets crushed by the media. Every single time. And it's just, it's not even funny anymore. It's more sad than funny to me. 
You know, the, there are many things to criticize, but for a league where everybody needs more money, I think the thing that PNK and I always come back to is you could at least move the, the TV network out of the city. You know, they're not using a backdrop of, of San Francisco for their anchor desk. Why people in editing suites are in the most expensive real estate on the West Coast makes <laughs> no sense to us. Honestly, the TV network, I've always felt like, should be in an anonymous box somewhere near the Salt Lake Airport. It's honestly where Channel 2 was when I got hired. We're downtown now. Uh, but you can fly in and out. It's cheap. You could pay people who work at the network less because they'd spend so much less on real estate. you got to pay people so much money because they got to live in the Bay Area. It's crazy. And if you want to keep the conference office there so that you can meet with Google, and if that's going to pay off one day, I guess so. But what is the TV network doing there? You're just blowing a large amount of money. And I have never heard a good explanation for that. Not anything even – why Bob back in Edit Suite 3 is in the San Francisco real estate market just blows my mind. No, it, you're right. San Francisco is an incredibly expensive city. Um, I agree with you. If you want to keep the conference office there and you know, be you know, near the tech people, you think that's going to pay off on the next media rights go around, that's fine. Um, you know, the network, the editing suites, the people that are, are trying to – you know, scratch out a living doing those things. There's no need for those people to be, you know, having to live in San Francisco or San Francisco proper, the area. And again, um, gross mismanagement on the people in charge. I, I will say this, just having having built relationships and talking to people, I don't expect Larry Scott to be negotiating the next media rights deal. That I, I don't see that happening at all. Well, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. Uh, good work. We haven't talked much basketball. We can have you talk, uh, have you back to talk basketball uh, going forward when it gets ramped up and rolling. If, if indeed it gets ramped up and rolling, it may just be stop and go all year. Hopefully not. Anytime. You guys have a great holiday. I appreciate it. Josh Newman, Utah Utes beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.